On Monday night, our colleague Akani Otani visited Flushing, a majority Asian American neighborhood in Queens, New York. Akani was there to join a volunteer group called Public Safety Patrol. They were patrolling the streets to basically respond to this surge in anti-Asian hate crimes we've been seeing around the country. So our goal is to keep the community safer. It was six days after the shootings in Atlanta that killed eight people at Asian-owned spas. While police haven't linked a racial motive to the shootings, the killings have mobilized people around the country to confront anti-Asian hate crimes, which have been increasing since the pandemic began. One of the leaders of the Flushing Patrol group, a woman named Wan Chen, told Akani what she was feeling. Fear. Um, worry. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. Um, no one should experience this. Um, so, this is the time we need to speak up and try our best to help. The uptick in violence and the fear that comes along with it is also affecting Asian-American businesses, like Jason Wang's chain of Chinese food restaurants. You hear stories about people damaging businesses, you know, threatening businesses because of that fact that they're Asian-owned, and it's just very sad. And I think that Asian businesses really are struggling. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, March 24th. Coming up on the show, how the Asian American community is responding to a rise in hate crimes. And we talk with one business owner about the challenges of the past year. episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients like 99% pure melatonin to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight, live tomorrow. Shop now at Natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. On Monday, a couple of hours before sunset, Akani joined up with the Public Safety Patrol, which was gathering outside the 109th police precinct in Flushing. And there was a group of maybe two or three dozen individuals in these vests, basically uniforms and walkie-talkies, and they gathered there and from there just sort of split off into maybe five or six different groups walking around the neighborhood, passing out flyers and raising attention about the efforts they've been making to reach out to the community. We're the eyes and ears. We want people to see us so they know we're out here. And why did you want to follow this group? I heard about this group, Public Safety Patrol, when I was doing a little bit of research on what the response had been like within the Asian American community in New York City to the Atlanta shootings. I knew that there was a strong feeling among many of the communities here that something had to be done. And I saw very quickly on Instagram and other forms of social media that there were multiple groups like this that had sprung up. 
many of these volunteers are just sort of everyday individuals. They don't necessarily have law enforcement training or, you know, martial arts training or anything like that. They're not intending on going out and fighting people. Really, their goal was sort of to walk around and if they see anything, film something and have someone call for help. And did they carry anything with them, like mace or just their cell phones? Really just their cell phones. And so in many cases, the individuals sort of had this strategy. If anything happened, one is going to report the incident. So it's going to send it to police with evidence. And then one is going to call the police. Why did people say that they were volunteering? A lot of the people felt like they had just had enough. And so I think there was this feeling that they needed to step up for their local community. And it's it's remarkable because, again, there was a, a huge age group of people. There was a man in his 60s. There was a 30-year-old student. There was an insurance agent in her 40s. No one you would necessarily think outright, okay, this is someone who's going to get really vocal about issues and, and stand up. But I think that's partially why they did show up. They were saying it was important to show that everybody needs to get involved in this. One of the people Akani spoke to was Dao Yin. Dao is a local resident. He lives in Bayside in Queens, which is another very heavily Asian American community. And he's also actually running for office to represent Northeast Queens for the New York City Council. During the past a few months, we see dramatically increased crime, especially hate crimes against Asian Americans. So as I say, our community is bleeding because we are part of this country. We, we are Americans. We have the right to live here peacefully. We have the right not to be killed. Like many of the other people who showed up Monday, he also is an immigrant to America, but he's lived here for many, many years. And so it's been disheartening for him to see that you can live here for decades and still be treated as, as an other and as a foreigner. Neighborhood watches like this aren't just happening in New York. Asian-American communities around the country have been reacting to increased anti-Asian violence. Do you have a sense of how much racism and violence has been happening toward Asian-Americans and how much that's increased over the past year? There was a study done at the California State University at San Bernardino that looked at the police department data from 16 of the largest cities in the U.S. And their finding was that even though overall hate crimes actually decreased in 2020, hate crimes involving Asian people rose by nearly 150%. Wow. So that is definitely, I think, surprising to a lot of people. But in other ways, maybe not as surprising to the people in these communities, a lot of whom have sort of blamed the rhetoric around the pandemic for the rise in anti-Asian sentiment. Like what kind of rhetoric? 
A lot of the people I spoke to were talking about President Trump and the way that he described the pandemic. So he frequently would call the coronavirus the China virus, the Chinese virus, or even Kung flu, which he denied had racist connotations. But a lot of members of the Asian American community very much felt like it was a racist way of describing the pandemic. Is there a sense of how much these incidents have increased in New York City in particular? So in New York City, there were only three anti-Asian hate crimes reported in 2019. And these numbers are imperfect because in many cases, people probably don't come forward, but we had three. And then in 2020, there were 28 total incidents reported. So that's an 833% increase. That increase in hate crimes has also had an impact on Asian-American-owned businesses like Jason Wang's Xi'an Famous Foods. We're a small chain of Chinese restaurants serving specialty Chinese food from my hometown of Xi'an, China. And uh, we've been around since 2005 in New York. That's when my father founded the restaurant. I joined in 2009 after college and helped them with the expansion. How many employees do you have? Currently only about 50 to 60. We used to have 200 before the pandemic. Wow. How many locations? We used to have 14 locations before the pandemic. Now we're down to eight locations. Let's go back to the beginning of the pandemic for a moment. How did it affect your business? So when the pandemic first started, even February of 2020, before it got to New York, as we know it, it was already slowing down because people were scared to go out to eat, especially in a Chinese restaurant, unfortunately. Jason says that early on in the pandemic, Asian Americans faced what he views as racism. I think it became very evident in the early days of the pandemic, people were already blaming Asian people for the coronavirus just because it originated from China, where people are victims as well of the virus. And, uh, you know, there were attacks already for people wearing the masks early during the pandemic. And then there were people attacking for not wearing masks, which, you know, it's just there's really no way to just go about your day as as an Asian person without being attacked. Jason decided to completely close his restaurants for most of the spring because of the pandemic. But as the summer approached and he thought about reopening, he says he was worried about two different dangers his employees were facing. Coronavirus and racist attacks. What he decided to do? That's after the break. episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients like 99% pure melatonin to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight, live tomorrow. Shop now at Natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply.
Last summer, after his restaurants had been closed for months, Jason Wang started to make plans to reopen. We were cautious to reopen. We didn't know if it was safe to reopen. Safe meaning virally, you know, is it safe health-wise to open? Is it safe also, you know, for people to come into work? Because these attacks against Asians are already happening. Uh, So it was just a time of a lot of decision-making, a lot of figuring out, a lot of new things, because we never faced this conglomerate of issues before. You know, it's just many challenges all at once. Jason ultimately decided that one way to try to keep his employees safe was to reduce the restaurant's hours. Instead of closing at their usual 9.30 or 10.30, they started closing at 8.30. They also closed on Sundays. He didn't want them commuting when the subways were less crowded. How hard of a decision was it to make to reduce your hours? It was a tough decision, obviously, but it didn't feel like a tough decision because it felt like a necessary decision. It felt like it was something that had to be done. But it must have been really frustrating. I mean, you're already dealing with the pandemic, which is hurting your business, and now you've got to reduce your hours even further because of these racist attacks. It is frustrating, and it's just very frustrating, personally uh, tiring and exhausting to hear that people just don't change and people are filled with so much hatred during these times. And yeah, I think that the frustration really comes from there. Not so much about the finances because, you know, I think a lot of people are in the same boat when it comes to financial pressures. But I think there's a fix to that, Uh, you know, obviously with the new stimulus package that's helping with that. And there's legislation that could be passed and action that could be taken to address that. There's a number to it. But then when you're talking about racism, it's a harder problem to solve. Despite the reduced hours, Jason's employees have still encountered violence. There were two employees that were attacked that I know of. I say I know of because there are many more aggressions that go unreported. So these two are more serious. That's why they were reported. One person was attacked on his way to work in the morning on a weekday uh, around 9 o'clock. He was punched in the face, broke his glasses. Uh, he suffered a swollen face and obviously, you know, had to or traumatized and, you know, couldn't, couldn't work after that. And understandably so. And then another employee was on her way home around six, seven o'clock in early evening. Was also attacked on her way home, punched in the face, unprovoked and, uh, you know, cut lip, bloody nose, things like that. So, you know, these are very traumatizing events and we felt... As an employer, I felt helpless because we were already trying our best to make sure everyone's safe. But these attacks were happening in broad daylight. So what else can we do? Just live our lives in fear? We chose not to do that. We chose to keep going. Even the employees who were attacked, obviously they're traumatized, but you know they still keep working because they still hope for life to be normal. They're still optimistic of that. What did you do? Did you make any changes after that? as to how the business operated? Well, I think that, you know, we encourage people to travel in groups because our employees, they all basically uh, finish work at the same time and they're mostly taking public transit. So, you know, we encourage more of that. But really outside of that, these attacks are so random that really, what can we do? Arm our employees? That's not really a viable option. And as a business, we simply cannot afford to basically provide car service for everyone that lives in all sorts of different areas of the city. It's just not feasible. So unfortunately, we're stuck in this situation where we're financially challenged to be able to tackle these problems 
but there's, you know, these problems keep happening. Jason says he plans to continue with the reduced hours indefinitely, even though at his restaurants that have stayed open, he says sales are down 60 to 70 percent. It's difficult to cover our costs. I think without government relief during this time, we would have gone under already. But thankfully, we were able to receive some and that helped us stay afloat. Broadly speaking, how do you think racism against Asians, how has that affected Asian businesses around the country? I think, you know, uh, being in New York City, we were affected. Uh, obviously, there was attacks in New York City. Uh, but I think it's even worse in other parts where Asian businesses are really the minority in that they don't have a Chinatown community to go for support. They're really left stranded in places where maybe they're one of the few Asian-owned or Asian business, Asian restaurants in the town, in the village, whatnot. And it's very difficult. Police are still investigating whether the shootings in Atlanta were racially motivated, but it has clearly heightened awareness of violence against Asian Americans. Have you taken any additional safety precautions since the shootings in Atlanta? I got to say, you know, a a shooting in Atlanta, such a tragic event, but it doesn't it doesn't make us feel more unsafe. I think we already reached the point where we already feel unsafe. It's bottomed out, you know, like we're already in that situation. So we are already doing whatever we can as a business to address that feasibly and viably. At this point, I don't think the question should be, what can the business do? What can the individuals do to protect themselves? I think it's really about the bigger picture. What can the community do? What can the government do? Back in Flushing on Monday night, our colleague Akani finished out her evening with a public safety patrol. And on your patrol on Monday night, did anybody who was out on the patrol witness anything? No one told me that they saw any negative incidents on their patrol. One thing I did notice, though, was that there was definitely a visible police presence, especially on Main Street, which is one of the busier hubs in the neighborhood. You would see cop cars and police officers standing about sort of every couple of blocks. So zooming out now, how common are these types of patrol groups across the country? I've seen similar patrol groups show up in Oakland and also in San Jose, which is home to a thriving Japanese-American community in their Japantown neighborhood. And the common thread is that these groups tend to just be run and staffed by everyday members, ordinary people who have been brought together by this rise in violence that we've seen over the past year. And I think one thing that really stands out about this is just how much the past year and the past couple of weeks, including the Atlanta shootings, have really had an impact on Asian Americans in this country. Many of these people have been saying that they haven't participated in a rally or in a volunteer patrol like this ever in their lives. And so it really stands out just how much these events have have left a mark on them. That's all for today, Wednesday, March 24th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.